0: Hey, I'm David Crabtree, lead pastor at Calvary Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope you'll find something every week that inspires you to dig deeply into God's Word and reach for the unmet potentials that lie within you. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning. I'm uh, Pastor Tom. Um, For those of you that may not know me, I'm filling in for Pastor David today. Pastor David caught a flight Friday afternoon to Florida where his sister Susan was hospitalized and her cancer has reoccurred. And so could we take just a moment to pause, just ask the Lord to be with him. Heavenly Father, we bring Susan before you today. And Lord, we lift her weakened body before you, and we ask that your Holy Spirit would now transcend the distance between us. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit would bring healing where there is just brokenness, where this cancer, Lord, has invaded her body. We pray, Heavenly Father, that every cell, every growth, Every cancerous portion of her would respond to the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray that specifically. I pray, Lord, even as pastor is with her, as he lays hands on her, Lord, I pray that they would sense the warmth and the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, and she would know that she has been touched. I ask this, Lord, raise her up from this bed of affliction as a testimony to those around her. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, needless to say, no one was more surprised than me to be standing here this morning. But I trust in the sovereignty of God. How about you? I trust that he orchestrates everything. He directs our steps. He goes before us. Nothing's caught him by surprise. He knew I would be standing here today. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Tuesday morning in staff, right after the Tuesday morning prayer, pastor shared some devotional thoughts that came out of that prayer time as to the direction that he would take this final message in the series. Because today he was supposed to finish it. And he was going to preach a message centered on the Holy Spirit. Tuesday afternoon, before the board meeting, he said, hey, let's go grab a, a coffee. So we bolted for Starbucks. And, and as we were driving, I told him that the devotional had really resonated with me. Because I've been thinking a lot about the Holy Spirit over the last month and um, so much so that, that I've enrolled with my son in the Berean class uh, that's, that's on the, the uh, four fundamental doctrines, Pentecostal distinctions uh, here at the church, it's just because I wanted to brush up. I mean, it's been like 35 years since I went through that course, and, and I thought, eh, it wouldn't hurt. And I told him, I said, you know, I I know I'm not scheduled to preach anytime soon, but I think the next time I preach, I think I want to preach on the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Little did either of us know that that opportunity would present itself today. Wow, talk about suddenly. (laughs) Oh my. Sometimes when God moves, it's a suddenly. So I stand before you uh, without a well-crafted and polished sermon, not that I don't have a couple, <laughs> I, I went back as any pastor does when they're suddenly called upon, right, Pastor Rick, you know, you, you look back and see what you've done, and, and I found a message that I preached in 2001, and if I was going to compare it to peanut butter, I would say this was peanut butter with peanuts in it. I mean, I had like 50 scripture references. I had everything. It was like I don't know, I must have been trying to defend and explain who the Holy Spirit was back then. And then I had another message that I would say was more like creamy peanut butter. It was I preached that probably about I don't know, 6 7 years ago and it was smooth. I could see, man, I I kind of grew up a little bit during that time. At least in my preaching. And the easiest thing in the world would, would and then there was a third one, but the, it was a devotional, but the easiest thing in the world to do would, would be to just stand here before you today and, and just preach something I'd already preached. And so in the lengthy time I had to prepare, I wrestled and just felt the constraint of the Holy Spirit not to go back there. Not that there was anything wrong. I mean, we all could use more scripture in our lives. Maybe not 50 verses today. But that's okay because I think the Holy Spirit wants me to testify to him. And to allow him to reveal himself to all who will receive him. I know beyond a doubt that the Holy Spirit dwells in me. And I can testify to having experienced what Jesus said in John seven thirty eight, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said bec- about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So, the moment I placed my faith in Jesus, God placed his spirit in me. That is what the Apostle Paul refers to as the indwelling of the spirit, which is God's deposit in us guaranteeing our inheritance of eternal life. Every Christian in here who has made him the Lord and Savior of your life, you have that deposit of the Holy Spirit in you, okay? That's the indwelling of the Spirit. But do not confuse that with what we see in Scripture concerning the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I realize a lot of you in here do not know my story, and I won't take the time to go in depth this morning, but I'm going to give you the skinny. It's the only skinny I got in my life right now. I've got no skinny jeans, skinny shirts, but I'm going to give you the skinny testimony. I was 18 years old, and I was living for myself. How many of you can relate to that? 18 years old, living for yourself. The day my life changed. I watched as my terminally ill cancer <laughs> my terminally ill cousin, she was terminally ill with cancer, was prayed over in Jesus name, and she was instantly healed of Hodgkin's disease right before my eyes. Moments later, I was overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit and I was laid out on a ballroom floor where I surrendered my life to Jesus. I never thought about this until so I put those in my notes, but I guess I kind of had like the Damascus Road experience that Paul had where you're just kind of going along and all of a sudden the power of the Holy Spirit was there. And I knew, I knew who it was. And without a bunch of Christianese and words and ABC, I didn't have any of that. There was a surrender to the Lord. All this took place in Israel when I was baptized in the Jordan River on August the 6th, 1983. And then a couple days later, I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's been over 36 years. And I will never get over what Jesus has done for me. I never want to get over it. I watched a video on... Facebook this week of my cousin who was healed, spinning her granddaughters in an office chair, making them dizzy. I just had to laugh and say, God, you are so good. You are so good. If all he had, if all he had did was heal my cousin, it would have been enough that would have been enough. If all he did was save my soul, that would have been enough. But he freely poured out onto me the same baptism in the Holy Spirit that he promised his disciples and that was poured out on the day of Pentecost on everyone in that upper room and the same that was poured out on throughout the book of Acts, as you see, people received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And as you read through all the epistles, you see the evidence that the Holy Spirit had been poured out, because there's instruction and correction and, and it's experienced today by hundreds of millions of Pentecostal believers around the world. They don't know how many there are. They estimate there's over 279 million Pentecostal believers, but they can't really count the ones in places like China. The fastest growing church in the world is the Pentecostal church because they're preaching Jesus with signs and wonders following and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And in this sanctuary, there are scores of people that could stand and testify to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the difference it has made in their Christian walk. Which brings me back to Pastor's series, Moving the Needle. His four messages could be summarized like this. If we want to see change in 2020, remember he started the last day of December, so looking at 2020. If we want to see change in our lives, we must start with daily, remember, prayer. We must change our thinking. We must read our Bibles, and we must focus on the one thing. Do you remember who? Remember what the one thing from last Sunday was? The one thing, living our lives in Christ, who's our portion and our boundary, okay? Do all these things and your life will change. And I would be the first to say the amen, but I would put a but on that. But there is one thing missing. One thing missing. And I think this is what he was going to get to today. The ongoing power to do these things daily. You see, I can do each of those four things. I can read my Bible. I can set my mind on thinking right. I can pray more. I can do my best to live my life within Christ. I can do all those in my own power for a while. For a while. But I can't live a spiritual life in just my own strength because I I don't know about you, but I grow weary. My passion wanes and my drive gives out. I bet most of you have a cell phone in your pocket. Aren't these incredible? You know, every day, every day, I plug this in to a greater power than this little battery that's inside. right? Anybody else do that? Some of you got your phones are so old, you have to use it plugged in, right? <laughs> I'm with you. I only have a 10. I don't have the, the latest. No, but when this thing has power, i if I wanted to, I could, I could call my pastor friend Desmond in South Africa. It's seven hours ahead. It's, he's probably sitting down to supper. I could FaceTime him. I could send an email. I could send a text. I know nobody's in here playing a game right now, but you could play games on your phone. I mobile order my coffee. That's coming. That's coming here, new app, it's coming. Right, Pastor Phil? Where are you? It's coming. Don't tell Pastor I said this, but when he gets close to the end of his sermon, you could pull out your phone. You could send your order, and Christy will have it ready for you when the service is over. It's amazing what we can do I can check get off Facebook right now some of you guys okay but I could check social there's so much we can do but this is all but useless when the battery's dead and can we be honest this morning when we become empty we haven't plugged into his power We've been running on our own strength. Just really how effective are we in the kingdom of God? We're, we're kind of like this dead cell phone. Not real useful. You see, friends, our Christian walk requires we connect to a greater power than ourselves every day. Every day. Every day. And God has made a provision for us by giving us his Holy Spirit. But do we avail ourselves and plug into his Spirit where we find power and strength for every good work? And I just want to kind of pause here because an audience this large, there is a wide range of understanding and experience or in the cases with me, there was a lack thereof when it comes to talking about the Holy Spirit. I knew nothing about the Holy Spirit growing up in a church. The Holy Spirit to me was an emblem of a dove that was draped over the pulpit on Pentecost Sunday. That was the extent of my knowledge. So to be sure that we're all on the same page, the Bible declares there is but one God Three persons. One God and three persons. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one comprising the Blessed Trinity that is really just almost too marvelous for us to understand and comprehend. People have little problem understanding our Heavenly Father or Jesus in terms of a person. Heavenly Father... Okay, person, I can can see him as that. Jesus, yeah, I can see Jesus as a person. But we tend to forget that the Holy Spirit is part of the person of God and not some thing or some divine power out there like wind or electricity. In Ephesians 4.30, we are warned not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Have you ever seen a thing grieve over anything? If I was to drop this and it crashed and broke and shattered, I would be grieved a little bit. This would not. Three weeks ago this morning, it was just like today. It was right at 30 degrees. I, I left the house early. It was cold. It had rained the night before. And there were just enough little bit of glazing ice all over the place. And I drove up on an accident less than two miles from the house. Fire trucks and everything and down to one lane and, and as we slowly pulled through there. I saw a body laying on the side of the road covered in a sheet. And sticking out from underneath that sheet, I saw a pair of black dress shoes and socks. And immediately, I was grieved because of this tragic loss that had just happened in a family probably, that would soon to be notified. But I have to tell you, the car the man was driving didn't grieve at all, because it's a thing. So please remember, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about a living, breathing, grieving Spirit of God. The same Spirit that was in Christ Jesus is present among us right now in this place. I know we sang. We sang a lot about the Holy Spirit, which just amazed me, Phil. But could we just take a moment and just, in your own way, could you just welcome His presence once again? Heavenly Father. We are so grateful that you have sent your son to save us. And Jesus made a promise. He'd not leave us alone. He'd not leave us or like orphans. But when he ascended to you, he would send the Holy Spirit to us. And Holy Spirit, when we sing about the presence of God, we're really identifying you. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in this place. More importantly, you're in our lives. And Lord, you are welcome here. You are welcome here, Holy Spirit. I bless your name. I thank you. I thank you. You know, Jesus' commandment remains that we are to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that he had commanded. That is the great commission and that's the mandate of the church. It's why we have a missions team right now in Cuba. We commissioned them last Sunday and it's why in three weeks we'll be commissioning another team to South Africa. We are attempting to fulfill the Great Commission. But Jesus knew he was commanding his disciples and the church to do the impossible in our own strength. So the Heavenly Father made provision through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then go forth. You know, what struck me this week is week yesterday, as I was studying. It was a very short week. You know, what struck me about that, his disciples. Here, these disciples had been with Jesus for three and a half years. I mean, would you not just love to follow Jesus? Maybe even a week. Three and a half years, nobody knew Jesus more intimate than his disciples. Nobody had witnessed more miracles of Jesus than his disciples. If anybody was prepped and ready to go, I mean, they saw the resurrected Lord. He walked with them for 40 days after his resurrection. If anybody was more ready to go out and share the gospel, it was his disciples. Why did Jesus say, I'm sending you, but wait? Wait. Wait until you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so they prayed for 10 days. It's another thing that jumped out. I pray for 10 minutes and I, I'm out of words. My brain is off on something else. Or 10 days they tarried in an upper room. They waited. They prayed. And then suddenly, oh, you got to love the suddenlies in the Bible. That thing you're praying about, that thing you're struggling about, God can change things suddenly. That sickness you've been plagued with, that disease, it can all disappear in a sudden moment when the Holy Spirit shows up. And the Holy Spirit showed up and everyone in that room was filled with the Spirit. And they took the gospel everywhere in the then known world and turned it upside down. Friends, we still need the provision and the promise of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to do the work that God has called us here in the triad and around the world. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Power, the power of God is twofold. When the Holy Spirit empowers us, one, it strengthens and brings a sense of completion and wholeness to the life of the believer. When we're born again, we are born of the Spirit and called to live a spiritual life while still living here in this world. And I'm telling you from experience, and I know you'll back me up on this, it takes spiritual power to live A spiritual life. Everyone in here who's tried to live a spiritual life in your own strength and power, just wave at me. I'll put up two hands. It was never meant to be that way. And it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. In fact, it's impossible. It's impossible to live a spiritual life without spiritual power. We live anemic Christian lives. When Jesus said, I have come to give you life, and life abundantly, that abundant life is found in the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Second, the power of the Holy Spirit in us bears witness to the world that we are Christians. The power bears witness to unbelievers that we are Christians. They may not understand it. 29 years ago, my first missions trip to Russia with with the team here. And we'd done the week of ministry and we were at a hotel and with Russian teachers, most of them complete unbelievers, but our women on our team had put together a tea. And I was the lucky guy. I don't know what the other guys were doing, but I was the lucky guy to be there with all these women with the video camera. And somewhere during this hour or so of of tea, one of the Russian teachers went to one of the Russians interpreter who in turn went to my wife. And the Russian teacher asked, why does your husband smile all the time? I didn't realize I was smiling all the time. Is it because I'm uh, just a good-looking chap? No. <laughs> I was there fulfilling the purpose God had, had created me for. I was there on assignment. I was filled with the joy of the Spirit. I was filled with the resurrection power at work in my life, and it showed up on my face. And that was so contrary to the drab, sad, Russian faces, particularly of the men. And an unbeliever noticed that. Doesn't Scripture say that people will ask what that hope is you have? That's kind of what she, what she was doing. What's different about him? It's the power of the Holy Spirit bearing witness in us. The Spirit brings life to the words that we speak and a sense of conviction in the life of the unbeliever. You ever been in those situations, or does this only happen with pastors, where somebody gets convicted around you Maybe at work they know you're a Christian, and so they treat you a little bit. They say things a little bit differently when you're there. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit, just in your life. With pastors, we get it all the time. Um, It could be at Starbucks, on the plane, anywhere you engage people, and, and they don't know that you're a pastor, and so they're just being themselves. And there's a little profanity here. There's a little of this said. There's a little bit of that. And the moment they say, so what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. <laughs> Apologies. Um, leave, the, leave the area. I mean, it just, <laughs> I didn't say a thing. Well, I did. I said, I'm a pastor. Really? What That symbolizes something to them. And that convicts them. But when self-righteous Christians speak and try to convict someone, that usually has a terrible effect because then it comes across as condemnation to the unbeliever. True story. When I was a student at the Ohio State University, actually back then it was just Ohio State University but the Ohio State University, there was a guy, I don't know if he was a student or not, he was just on campus, 50,000 students, there's one guy who took it upon himself to build a larger-than-life cross, and that cross was so big, he put wheels on the back of it, and he would carry it and wheel this thing across the oval which is the center of the college where all the sidewalks intersect. He's being a witness for Jesus. And twice I I heard him do this. He saw a girl either in short shorts or a miniskirt, and he yelled, whore, you're going to hell. (laughs) Don't be that guy. Be full of the Spirit, not full of yourself. The baptism of the Holy Spirit provides us power, and it provides us with a new prayer language. And this is a tripping point for some, but it really doesn't need to be. You see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't just about speaking in tongues or an unknown language. That's just a physical sign God chooses to use that you have received the Holy Spirit's baptism. Just as getting wet is the physical sign that you have been baptized in water. What's the sign these guys all got baptized in water? They were soaking wet. Soaking wet. You see, God is the baptizer, and he has the right to choose whatever outward manifestation he wants. I was raised Presbyterian and we tend to be reserved. In praise and worship, this is about how far we raised our hands. Because if you raise them any further, you can't read the hymnal. (laughs) Ah, 18 years, I never heard an amen. We Any other? Betty, grow up. Can I say frozen, chosen? Will I offend you? I hope not. Just the way we were. You know, I would have been fine with just a few sprinkles of water thrown to me to signify that I had accepted Christ as my Savior. I'd been just fine with that. In fact, that would have felt kind of appropriate, maybe. But that wasn't my choice. It was his. It was his. And truth be told, I didn't mind being fully submerged in water when I was baptized like these guys. Because that's what he wanted me to do, to testify to my family and friends that he had washed my sins away, and that I was a new creature in Christ so when I read the scriptures, and I realize that when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we will probably speak in languages or tongues that, that make no sense to us. I say, who cares? Because God is filling us with his presence and power to overflowing. And this is where I want to transition, and I want to share my testimony The whole reason why we were in Israel in the first place was my father signed us up for a tour, a Christian tour, so that my cousin Terry could see the Holy Land before she died. I, that was just his thinking. For Some reason, I don't know. I'll ask him when I get to heaven, Dad, all the things you could have done, why why did you want, why was it so important to you that Terry took a tour of Israel when she was in stage four cancer against doctors' orders because they didn't know she would survive? Why was it so important to you that we go to Israel? But we did. My family and her family. And we signed up with a Christian tour group and, our, and the leader happened to be a Pentecostal pastor. Never heard of such a thing. Well, as you can imagine, when my cousin was healed, it, it was like a spiritual earthquake hit our families. We all came to a salvation and a saving knowledge and just an acceptance of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I mean that was I never thought about it till now but that's pretty cool the whole family got saved and I think most if not all of us were baptized in the Jordan River And as this two week tour was coming to a close and we ended up back in Jerusalem so we could fly out to the US and we had a day or two there and and Our whole group had gone out to dinner. The bus had taken us downtown and dropped us off. We went to dinner at some restaurant. And rather than have the bus come back down to get us, um, we were going to walk back to the hotel. And so we did. And as we were walking through the streets, there was this cathedral that was open to the public. And so unplanned, unscheduled, we just wandered in. It's our last night. And while we were there, there were two other tour groups from different nationalities. We were the only English speaking tour group. And there was no service, there was no staff, no nobody. It was just open, lights on. And and they were doing like we were doing, just kind of wandering and just looking at the magnificence of this cathedral. And I, I don't know, it's the first cathedral I'd ever been, but everybody was just kind of quiet. There's a real sense of respect in that and so each group just kind of found a place in that sanctuary and just kind of sat down and just very reverently and looked around and while we were doing that one of the I suppose the leader from one of the groups went up to the front and said a few words we didn't understand what he was saying don't know if it was German or it doesn't matter but All three groups, we just sat there. As soon as he finished, up popped the leader from another group, went up, said a few words, went and sat down. Nobody moved. And so I suppose our Pentecostal pastor leader, not to be outdone, popped up, went to the front, and he began to share his testimony. And he was saved out in the Jesus movement back in the 1960s. And he had experienced a divine healing. It's like like I I can see it. It's like I'm right there again. And Dan was his name. And Dan started talking about being filled The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when he said that, I started to feel something churning in my stomach and it wasn't dinner. It was a spiritual hunger. Jesus had become so real to me In the last two weeks, I was raised in church, so I knew the disciples, I knew the Ten Commandments, I knew about Jesus, it was like he was this historical figure, and he rocked my world. When he healed my cousin, and when through the power of the Spirit, he laid me out like Paul on the Damascus Road, and I didn't know the Christian words to say, the ABCs of prayer and all that stuff, but like Paul, I just like did this surrendering to the Lord. And here I am, and this man is telling me there's more. There's more. God has more for me. And I was on the edge of my seat. And when he finished, he just extended an invitation, and it was really to our group, wasn't talking to the others. He said, if there's any of you that want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come up. And I was the first of four or five people to jump up. I didn't run. I walked. I was Presbyterian. I still hadn't left the church. (laughs) I walked to the front. And I can remember I was on the end over here. And he kind of clustered us together. And I'll never forget, he, he said a few things that have always stayed with me. He said, first off, you need to know I'm not the baptizer. He is. He said, I'm going to lay hands on you and I'm going to pray, but I can't baptize a single one of you. Well, That's, that's him. That's, he's the baptizer. And he said, and second, you need to understand the Holy Spirit's like a gentleman he'll not force himself on you. If you're open to receive, he'll come. And then he said, all I want you to do is I want you to just lift your hands and begin to worship. I already told you about the hymnal. I had nothing. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Never been in a worship service like this we had in my life. There was no music. There was nothing. I'm like, Thank you, Jesus, healing my cousin. He came, he laid hands, he prayed. Nothing happened. He went on, prayed. And all I remember is I'm standing there and I'm looking at the stained glass behind the altar. And there's these Mediterranean geckos scurrying about up it. And I'm watching those. I'm still thank you, God. Thank you Jesus for saving me. And all of a sudden I mean <laughs> all of a sudden I heard a sound coming out of my mouth that was not English. But really freaked me out was I wasn't thinking in English. I was thinking in whatever language this was. And when I say freaked out, I mean it just kind of surprised me but It was so glorious, it just went with it. And I have no idea if it was five minutes, ten minutes, but I just, like Jesus said, rivers of living water just flowed out of my spirit as the Holy Spirit through me. I can't say this for sure, but I'm going to ask when I get to heaven. I think I was saying and proclaiming the glories and the wonders of God in one of those languages of the other group. I think I was testifying to them. And it was, I can't describe it, but it was joy unspeakable and full of glory as the old song goes. And I just went with it. And as quickly as it came upon me, I was thinking back in my right mind and I heard English coming out of my mouth and I had no problems praising the Lord at that point. And I can remember walking back and we left and I can remember my hand felt like I had held on to electricity. There was still this residual power and all I could think about, I kept looking at my hand going, I just want to touch someone. Because what God did in my life, maybe maybe what I'm feeling right here, maybe he can do that for someone else. We walked back to the hotel and I got back home. I had about a month before I went to Ohio State. I got every Bible in the house. And I laid them out. 36 years ago, just like yesterday, I laid them out, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I went through, in the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, I had an experience like the Apostle Paul when he went aside. Went, it's like the Holy Spirit taught me, brought revelation of things I had read as a boy and did not understand. It was a spiritual illumination. I devoured the whole New Testament in about a week. And even when I went to Ohio State, I would be sitting in these classrooms. And it's like the Spirit, and I was listening to man's best, man's wisdom, man's understanding. And it's like the Word of God. The Holy Spirit would just bring back something I read, abnormal psych and all that. It's not just in the head. It's not just a head issue. It's a heart issue. Nobody talks about the heart issue. Nobody talks about sin. How can you ignore? Because where my life was headed before Jesus I would have either ended up dead or in prison because I was abnormal. (laughs) The path I was on was going to take me down some dark roads if I continued. The Holy Spirit, He changed everything. Sherry, would you come up? Yeah. I look back and I think, I kind of thank God. I'm, I'm just happy that I didn't have a bunch of head knowledge that I had to jump around. I just experienced him. The knowledge, the understanding came later. I didn't have some teaching or some doctrine or somebody told me that this would, you know, speak in tongues, you're speaking of the devil and all that stuff. I had no trappings to prevent me from receiving what God had for me. And then the understanding came later as I went through scripture and looked at what I had experienced against what New Testament believers experienced. Looked what was the norm, what was expected. As I just wrap this up, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit moved the needle in my life. I have never been the same. You want to change your prayer life? Seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You want to change the way you think? Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to read your Bible with more understanding? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to live an abundant life in Christ? Keep being filled with the Spirit. Keep being filled with the Spirit. Oh, that we would see a fresh outpouring of the Spirit in our lives. In this church, do you need power in your life? Can I be... I've been so transparent. I'm going to be transparent. I've been through the times trying to live this spiritual life and my battery's been low. It's impossible, isn't it? Anybody else in here say, you know what, I struggle. I struggle. It's because we don't have the power in our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit who comforts us, who convicts us not just of sin, but convicts us of righteousness and truth, who helps outline the borders, boundaries of our lives, who, who just magnifies that portion that's Jesus, He glorifies the Son, He leads us, He guides us. The abundant life is found when we are filled with the Spirit. That's what I want next few moments in fact i'm going to just right now i'm going to formally dismiss you because there'll be no formal dismissal so if you're waiting for me to dismiss you this is it we're going to transition the team's coming up we're going to sing we're just going to turn this place into a sanctuary and just ask him to come if you need physical touch in your body, and elders, would you come? Would you come up and help me as we pray for people? If you need a physical touch in your body, let us know. We're gonna pray for that. If you have never received a baptism of the Holy Spirit and you'd like to receive, there's not a single one of us that can baptize you. Only He can. If you need a refilling of the Spirit. I almost brought a a pitcher of orange juice with me, but you know how a pitcher left in the fridge untouched for about a week, how everything settles. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you need to stir up the gift that was deposited in you by the laying on of hands. And sometimes we need to stir up that gift in us. We need to be filled again. I want to invite you. If you fit any of these categories, you're just hungry for Jesus. (laughs) Hungry for Jesus. Come. Phil, lead us.